Welcome everyone to episode 31 of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts and today I talked with Tony Mance, aka Jack the Bear, who is a mastering engineer who works out of his studios in Melbourne, Australia. We talked about how he took the chance and went over to the United States to learn from some of his heroes, how he created his own studio, Deluxe Mastering in Melbourne, Australia. We talked about the importance of building a trust-based relationship with your clients and why there is so much value in being truthful to yourself. For all that and heaps more, stay tuned. If you could do us a favor and share this podcast on your social media in a conversation, that is the best way we can spread the word about this podcast and get it out to as many people as possible. And also make sure you're following or subscribed on the podcast platform that you are listening or watching this on. That way you can stay up to date with every new episode that is released. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. Let's get into it. Today's episode with Tony Jack the Bear Mance. You're listening to What's That Sound with your host, Stu Watts. What is going on, everyone? I am here. I'm back for another episode. Uh, this is episode number 31. Today, my guest is Tony Mance, aka Jack the Bear. Welcome, Tones. Good to see you, mate. Good to see you too, Stu. Um, take two for us, huh? That's it. That's it. Um, all good though. Let's um, let's bloody get right into it. I don't think people need to hear us rambling too much about uh, <laughs> how things are going, but we will kick it off with a, a bit of an about you. I know you, I've known you for a few years, but uh, let's, um, let's, you know, you, you can tell it better than anyone. Tell, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, you know what they often say, mate, that uh, it's always best to let people talk about you. It's always best to let others talk about you. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but anyway, look, um, okay. So in a nutshell, um, I, I am a, uh, a mastery engineer, uh, and have been in my own studio here, which you can probably see behind you, um, deluxe mastering in Brunswick and that's in Melbourne, Australia and have been here since 2006. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been mastering for many, many years and, and done lots of different things in the music industry, including working on radio and live sound and, and you know, um, even in record labels. So I've had, I've dipped my toe in lots of areas, but mastering's been my main uh, bread and butter. And uh, alongside that, I've also been doing uh, a lot of mentoring for young artistic creatives, you know, uh, predominantly people in the in the music recording, mastering, mixing space. And um, and and you know, recently, you know, two weeks ago, I just turned sixty, and I'm finding Congrats. that I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm, I've been focusing, I'm still mastering, still doing that because I love it and it's in my blood, but um, been focusing now a little bit more with mentoring um, and doing speaking, which one of the things I love to do and have done for many, many years now is, um, you know, mentor young engineers or anyone who's, anyone who really has an artistic or creative streak in them mm. to support them, help them, share my story um, in, in the hope that they will become inspired, particularly the ones who have aspirations, but for whatever reason, they hold themselves back because they they have some self limiting beliefs or not quite sure how to get started, yeah. or how to get the 
Right, because that really is the hardest thing. Uh, you know, how do, how do you go from knowing nothing, knowing nobody, to getting a foot in the door, uh, making a start? So well, th- it is it is a wild world here in the old uh, Australian music industry, and that's why I love uh, talking to people who are living it and doing it and have been for for some time. I want to take it back, um, and I want to kind of learn a little bit more about where music came into the picture for you. What kickstarted it all? Okay, so it, it it was in stages. So if if we so I'll I'll try and keep it relatively brief, but just for context. Okay, um, as far back as I could remember, I love music, and the first time I listened to music where it really mesmerised me was would have been 1969. So I was six years of age, close to seven. My dad um, was a, a hi-fi enthusiast and back in the day, uh, Australia was very behind in terms of electronics and getting new stuff. You know, we, 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 it took months before we got what was happening over in, you know, overseas. And my dad knew a mate, he was a merchant seaman and he um, used to, you know, before coming to Australia, they'd drop into Singapore and, you know, Singapore was just had all the latest and greatest of the time. Mm-hmm. This bike would bring a whole lot of extra stuff and my dad would, would buy it and, so my dad had all these reel-to-reel machines and different bits of hi-fi and collected it. And so as a kid, I used to be able to sneak in and, and you know, just muck about with it. Mm. Um, but the other thing that, that he got as well that came from Asia was um, lots of dodgy, counterfeit, um, bootleg, you know, recordings. Um, and, one, and they used to do them on reel-to-reel tape, on quarter-inch reel. And uh, I remember um, two in particular that uh, I, I used to play a lot was uh, Johnny Cash's Greatest Hits mm. and Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Mm. And I remember listening to that, and in particular when I first said God Only Knows. Yeah. Now, of course, when you're young, I, I got no idea about production. <laughs> and stuff, but, Yeah, yeah. You know, I, all, all I heard was this incredible sounds as a kid that made me go, wow. So that's the first time that music – really rocked my world where sound really captivated me, of course, not understanding what it was all about. It, it just did on the surface. So mm. I just had an interest in music right through my teen years. And, of course, when I was in high school around year nine, um, I started getting into it a little bit more seriously when a buddy of mine, you know, Martin Cook, you know, rest in peace, um, he, he was an avid vinyl collector and I remember – Look at this guy's vinyl collection, and he had a really good hi-fi system. With his, mm. his dad had a had, had a few bob, and so I just thought, wow, I, I could really get into this vinyl mm. uh, collecting thing. And so I got interested in buying records. And of course, back in the day, as you guys know, and even today, one of the great things about vinyl is other liner notes and mm. all the information that you get, and 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 it, you know the packaging, as well as obviously you know the music. So I would be looking at these notes and. And, and I'd be noticing all these names that would be coming up most of the time because, again, not because I knew what I was listening to or listening for, but for whatever reason, I gravitated more towards American uh, artists and yep. therefore American news producers predominantly. And mm-hmm. so I'd start taking interest in, you know, who these people were. Now, there was no internet back then um, to be able to just look them up. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the only the, the main way we got information back then was through magazines, and the two main magazines that we get were uh, one called REP, which is Recording Engineer Producer, 
And um, that was the main one. And uh, and I think the studio sound from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so I'd, we'd get, we'd, I'd get these magazines, but REP was the main one. And, and, you, and that's show photos, the studios and engineers. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get in touch with these engineers. And so, um, and I did. And back then it was a matter of going to the library, going into the, the New York Yellow Pages, looking mm-hmm. it up, writing a letter, you know, completely different world to today. And so, and and that it, because I wanted to learn how to do this for a living, Stu, mm, you know, yeah. there was schooling, there was no courses, there was no, there, there was nothing, you know, and I was really too young to go and work anywhere. So, you know, so so that's where the real interest came, you know, from my love as a mm. child, my adolescent years, my formative years, and then taking the initiative to find out more about these people who I would, whose name I would see so often on the records that I love because I, 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 I didn't want to be a musician. I was fascinated mm. in, you know, how, how were these sounds created? How are these mm. records, what, what was the magic that put all this together? And that's where my curiosity, curiosity and fascination was. And, and, and that's yeah. kind of where it started and how I got into the whole mess, if you will. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, especially back then where, you know, the like access to different types of jobs and stuff is quite limited. You know, when you're in school, it's like you either do one of 10, 15 things, you know, were you nudged into that by anyone or did you purely just were like, nah, I need to know this and I'm going to do it myself? Well, I I had a need to know, of course, I didn't really know how, but when Mm. I eventually got there, um, and what well, at the time all I knew about was mixing and producing. So mm. that, 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 those credits were, you know, recording, but, but I knew that mixing was like, oh, they're the guys that get it to the, to the mm. end stage. You didn't see a lot of mastering credits back then. That was um, very rare that you'd see it. Mm. So I really didn't have any idea about what mastering mm. was. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to be a producer. Bob Clearmountain was my hero growing up, mm. you know, as in a, I, I didn't know what he looked. I mean, I sent some photos of him. I thought, I want to be like him. I want to be making records here. I want to be working mm. with these artists. So, um, so you know, so getting to New York as a youngster and and, and visiting the studios, um, I I was, you know, I, I got to meet Bob. He was an absolute superstar. I was very lucky, Stu, that mm. when, I, when I got to America as a youngster, um, I was so welcomed by the Americans. They... Mm. I remember, you know, making phone calls to them through a mate of mine who worked at uh, was Telecom back then. Mm. You know, I used to buy all the scotch and he'd hook me up, you know, and patch me through <laughs> and be able to have these conversations uh, with them. And and they were all like, yeah, man, come over. We'd love to see you, man. Be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that kind of shit. You know, Americans are like. Yeah. Now, I don't think they anticipated that I'd actually rock up on their doorstep. <laughs> yeah. They, they, uh, I, I think that they were just being polite. They were being lovely. I'm, I'm sure they, I'm sure they weren't just being patronising. Yeah, mm. Americans are very friendly. Very, yeah, they're, yeah, they're great. Absolutely. God bless. Yeah. Them. Um, and so I rock up, and they're just like, "Holy shit!" You know, like. <laughs> so I think while you know, I was telling them how dedicated, how interested I was. I, I don't think they expected I would take that step to rock yeah. up. Over and so, and so these guys were, I think, just super impressed by that. And so they just immediately took me under their wing, showed me things. And, and through looking and sitting on sessions and going to different studios and meeting all these people, I didn't know about mastering, but the, the, 
when people say, oh, you know, how'd you get into it? I, of, I often tell people that mastering found me, okay? Mm. And why it found me was, you know, being you know, being in studios and, and, and being, a you know, what essentially a runner. So you were just a guy that sat out there and waited to be told mm. to, you know, get a coffee or get a sub or mm. just basically be a lackey, okay? Mm. Uh, uh, which is where they weeded out the real serious cats from mm-hmm. the one. The yeah. it, was, it was a different era back then. Uh, the, the treatment you got, not that there was deliberately, uh, that was nefarious, but but because there were so many people wanting to get in, uh, I think they just wanted to test people and they were yeah. doing shit that you just couldn't get away with today. There's just yeah, no way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, and, and I don't think anyone would put up with, the, the treatment and and what I and what I mean by that, Stu, is that it's just lots of hours of no work, just doing lots of menial stuff. I mean, today, mm. any kid that would come and want to, and you and you tried to even attempt to put a kid through what I went through, um, they'd be saying, "Well, fuck this, I'm chipping, mate." You know, yeah. I don't. I've got YouTube, I got the internet. Anyway, yeah. so uh, so anyway, so I met a mastering dude who um, who was in the studio. We got in the conversation. He, you know, he, I said, I'm from Australia. He said, how'd you get into music? I said, well, you know, I collect records. And, you know, I was, I was a bit of a fancy myself, I was a bit of a, a, a DJ of sorts. And he said, oh, mm-hmm. you're a DJ. He said, um, how would you like to learn how to cut your own records? Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, well, how how do you do that? <laughs> oh, well, mastering, cutting lacquers. So I had no idea what that was about, but I was curious. And yeah. what, what got me, Stu, was um, two things. One that there was incredible speed in the process. I remember on the sessions that I could sit in, recording, mixing were long, laborious situations. Yeah. You're not hands-on. It, it can get pretty boring, you know? Yep. Um, and and particularly if you if it's a record or something that you weren't particularly digging, you know? I mean, obviously, you're grateful to be there, but mm. but after seven, eight hours of you not doing a great deal and-, and, and with tape get- as well. Tape, you know, recording to tape is like yeah, a lot of that technical yeah, shit too. Yeah, this is pretty. Yeah. Um. So I um I I I got to um I I got to have an opportunity to see this, and the first thing I noticed was, wow, the process is so quick. Line mm-hmm. up the tape, you know, doing the tones, and mm-hmm. essentially all the transfer. Not a hell of a lot of processing, really. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you didn't have foreign recorders, Ben. You know, people then had to know what they were doing. Yes, you had better engineers. Some were better than others. But, yeah, it, it wasn't common where there'd be a tape and go, hey, man, your mix isn't good. Your snare's mm. not loud. Vocal's mm. too bright. That shit just didn't really happen. That was really mm. rare. So so I thought, okay, so the speed of the job, which meant that you would turn over a lot more stuff, which meant that you had a wider variety. So if you weren't necessarily digging the record that you were working on, no big deal. Mm. Because for some, you know, there, there was some, the next thing probably would have been better. And so, as someone mm. who has um, someone with who's had ADD all his life, um, mm. that was I didn't really know that I had ADD until later. But it, you know, but mm. back then I I knew that I couldn't sit still for too long. My mm. focus wasn't really as 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 sharp. So this was perfect because it meant mm. that I could work on projects that required a short attention, a, a short period of time to really be focused, and then mm-hmm. I could just go. And then reset till the next time. Yeah, yeah. right. Yep. yep. And, and that's how that's how that's how mastering was discovered. And the kicker was the fact that he said to me, "Look, what are you going to do with your life?" And I said, "Well, mm. I like I, I like just what I'm saying, and and hopefully I'll you know maybe become a mix engineer or a producer." He said, "Okay." He said, 
So think about this. So you're competing with a whole lot of other motherfuckers trying to get, you know, there's so many, there's a funnel. There's so many mm. people that are going to get in there. And, and and you know, who knows if you're going to be an in-house engineer, yeah, um, yeah. a freelancer, but we're right now having a shortage because no one knows about this shit. Mm. It, 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 there's no profile. There's very little, no prestige about it. So, mm. so, so I, I, I made a pragmatic decision that, mm. okay, moving forward, I just wanted to job in the music industry because, to be honest with you, Stu, my motivation to get into music was about love of a job. I wasn't thinking mm. about money. I wasn't thinking about profile. I didn't want to be a rock star. All I wanted to do was do a job that I loved to do and mm. enjoyed because I worked out very early as a youngster when I used to work in my dad's canteens back in the day that I was going to spend a big chunk of my waking hours working. So mm. the logic tells me, find something that you like because yeah, I good. used a lot of factory workers back then who were, you know, Monday morning drudging in, no one wants to work, no one wants to be there, all they're thinking about is smoke lunchtime, you know, afternoon smoke yep. home or Friday to roll around for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I made a promise to myself that I don't know what price I need to pay, but mm. I'm not going to end up doing that for the rest of my living days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I've had to do a lot of jobs on the side, building my business and all kinds of jobs, but but I never ended up becoming a nine-to-fiver or a, de or a, or a you know, pen pusher or, mm. or just a, a worker for someone else. Well, I'm sure everyone listening can re relate to exactly that. And I'm sure that everyone that isn't there yet aspires to be, you know, working in where we are full time. Um, and so that speaks volumes. And so, you know, moving into, you know, working, actually working into it, when did you kind of feel like, okay, I'm doing it, I'm here? Well, um, okay, so let's go to um, – 1999 when I came back from overseas, um, so it was back to the recession we the recession we had to have. Um, not dissimilar to what the situation is like here. But things mm -hmm. were pretty dire. Mm -hmm. um, so I came here in January of 91, uh, no money, not a pot to piss in, eight thousand dollars of debt, but I had but I had some level of experience behind me, a little bit of knowledge, and so um, this is when the whole desktop digital thing was in its infancy. Mm -hmm. And uh, around that time, there was this uh, program called um, Sound Tools, which became Sound Designer from DigiDesign, yep. which is now Avid, okay, Pro Tools and all yep. that. That you're. So this is the very, very early stages. And so mm. I, I I got my start basically uh, being one of the early guys in this town to get myself a, a, a unit. Mind you, I had mm -hmm. no money to build. I'll, I'll tell you how mm -hmm. I, that happened. Today. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Basically, you know, I was uh, the main work back then was edit because everyone was recording to, to DAT tape back then. Mm, yep. And um, and so that's what you needed to be able to edit and compile things, which then went off off to mastering elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But that's how I kind of started on my own. So that was the early beginnings. Uh, you know, being a, a sound having having sound designer, um, editing people's uh, tracks to make radio edits and and mm -hmm. compiling from different DATs to create the compilation that would then be sent out to the mastering place, which would then uh, get mastered. So that's really when it was a case of, okay, I'm now, I've now got my foot in the door. I'm now in the game and I'm making a start. And that's really, where, you know, as, as a, as a, as a freelance independent operator, 
doing my own thing, which, mind you, was, you know, set up on a coffee table, you know, in a flat, mm. you know, uh, yeah. lounge room of flat. That's, yeah. that was the beginning. That's how it all started. Yep. Yeah, great. And so, you know, obviously the, 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 the process was quite different when you're, when you're doing that and when you're learning those things, how, how are you learning them? Like, where are you going? Is it just process of elimination? Is it trial and error? Do you have someone that you can refer to that's mentoring you? What, what's that look like? Okay. So, so, so I had a, so up until then, because I, I, I'd already, you know, seen it overseas, I'd already seen it, uh, and had a bit of an idea, but, um, the the guy the guy who really taught me more about anything about it you know hands on was a guy called Michael Costa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I started uh, a, a bit of a mastering business together. So shout out to Mike and full respect to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike also you know had a Pro Tools rig. Um, the the guy who which I got the system. And I'll tell you very quickly how I got it because mm-hmm. you know people sometimes talk about oh I don't have any money now. I know that these days things are cheaper and better, but back back in the day. It was a lot more expensive. So, yeah, and, and I often, often tell kids that, yes, of course, it's good to have money. It's important. But sometimes you need a better strategy, right? And so my strategy was like this. So uh, the guy's name was um, Rob Rob Styles, English guy, you know, bless him, um, who was the manager of a company called ISMT that bought it in. And I said, listen, Rob, I've got no money, but I've got some background in this and, and I want to build something. Out. Now, Rob was a salesman. Mm-hmm. Uh, marketing guy said, "Look, um, short, the long, the long and short is this: um, I got to meet this guy, build a relationship and trust with him. And so mm-hmm. I'll tell you what: we'll give you one of these, and you can pay us off, and, and we can let people come over to see you, and, and you can answer their questions, and they can see it in the field in real time. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's basically what I did, and and, mm-hmm. and paid it off. You know, yeah, over a period awesome. of time with with no yeah. money down, uh, yeah. and." and and that's what happened. So, in answer to your question, um, there was a lot of trial and error, and but I also had Mikey um, to to help me, and um, you know, and another guy called Charles Titas who was working then at the time. He went on to work with Avid. So, uh, bless those guys for having patience with me. They took my calls, and because I was never, te- I, I never grew up with computers, or, or they came mm. into my world, but. Never, te- I still am not tech savvy to this day, mm, right? Mm. I'm the least technical person you'll probably ever meet. But <laughs> these guys were patient and they showed me. So I got, so I got proficient at mm. being able to do what I just had to do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've been one who has been, who's rolled super deep, even in today's technology. I, I've got Pro Tools, man, and I reckon I'm lucky if I use 10% capacity. It's just a yeah. playback and a device for me. But, it, it, but you know, yeah. But but I do what I need to do. And Absolutely, I'm good yeah. Now let's yeah. let's dive into kind of more what it looks like these days. Let's um, I, I want to eventually get into the mentoring stuff. I want to get into the lifestyle stuff as well. But I want to yeah. talk more about process and uh, you know what a session looks like these days. And uh, yeah, you just showed us your room. It's a beautiful room. I've been there. I don't know if it was actually on the screen, but uh, when you start talking, you can show us again. But um. Your, your room's amazing. It's one. It's the best sounding room I've ever been in. But yeah, t- tell us a bit. Like expand on that. I've talked too much already. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool, man. That's cool. So, so basically, um, I've, I've got two rooms here. This is my main room. Um, it was designed by a guy called George Augsburger, old school, classic acoustician. Um, if you go online and have a look at the rooms he's uh, done, you know, um, you know, Electric Ladyland, Sunset Sound, uh, LA. 
I mean, premier classic rooms, uh, this mm-hmm. guy. Uh, so he'd never actually done a room in Australia, and I was very fortunate that I was able to get him. He, he agreed to to come out, you know, design the room, come out here, tune the rooms. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very proud that I've got the only two George Augsburger rooms in in the country. Mm. Um, so how, how that came how, um, that came about, you know, we, it, it took us 12 weeks to build this whole place. And I'll just give you a quick look around. Um, so so this so this place here we got in here in 2000. We bought in 2005. Um, we started building on the weekend of Australia Day 2006. And we just worked around the clock, buddy, for about 12 weeks. And we and we finished on the 23rd of April, which um, coincidentally was the same day my, my mother passed away. But but we so we're in a warehouse and, and these and you, 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 know, you can see a couple of stairs and you come up and and um, we got uh, we got we got we got one of the rooms in there, some mixed room. Um, anyway, walk down here through our, our corridor and we've got all our stuff going on over here. You go and say this place was an empty shop. There was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. Um, and then we, you know, we, we've got a kitchen. It, we got a we got a really really beautifully decked out. You know, I've got my lounge here. It's mm-hmm. it's really good, really really comfortable place. So mm-hmm. so we had a blank canvas, and we, uh, you know, so we so we so we built this space. As you can see, it's it's got a it's got you know it's just a it's just it's just a beautiful room to come and work in, mate. Um, you know, I've been here since you know 2006, and I, I'm still not over it. You know, I still come in here. Yeah. It feels great. It's it's it sounds great. Um, yeah. You know, so that's how yeah. the room. Yeah. Um, I don't think so- you could ever get o- get over experiencing music the way that you do in that room. I think it's such a special experience, and I know you're always uh, keen for for people to come in and check it out. But um, if you can, if anyone that's listening to this that hasn't been there that gets a chance to to reach out to Tony and listen to some music in there. It's phenomenal. It's the best experience you'll ever have. Yeah, look, they're very welcome to do it. I've got the Duntech Sovereigns. I've got the, the Dream Speakers I always wanted. I've had them for a year and a half. I, um, you know, I always lusted over those. So, yeah, by all means, people can hit me up and I'll be very no, – no obligation. You don't have to master with me. It's fine. I, I love showing the room and I love giving people the experience, the, the oral experience, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's fabulous. But you want to know um, about sessions, about how sessions yeah, run? Yeah. And, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. So um, first thing I'm going to say to you that um, one of the things I pride myself on, and this was drilled into me as a youngster in America, is that I was told that this more than anything is a service business. Mm-hmm. Um, yet it requires to be technically savvy, uh, to have you know musical chops, good ears, gear, all that stuff is all important and all, but um, it's, it's, it's a service business and the most important skill you're going to have is the ability to build and nurture and foster relationships. Yep. Okay. So, so with that in mind, every session that I do is starts off with uh, a process of due diligence. And the first step is to have a listen to us to, to a mix. So mm-hmm. someone either sends in a track for me to listen to, or they'll make an appointment and come in mm-hmm. and we have a listen to the song. And, and I, so I listen to it with, with nothing on and to see how, how it sits. Mm-hmm. And and as Vlado Mello used to say to me, let the song speak to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you listen, you know, and you, when you listen to things enough, you 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 connect with the music. And and the job at hand, you know, the role, if you will, is to facilitate a process to help the artist realize their vision. 
and you listen to the music and you got to think about also from the aspect of Johnny Punch Clock, you know, what's the impact of a song going to have? Mm. And, and when you know your speakers and you're monitoring, it, you'll know straight away, oh, mm. it requires some of this, requires some of that. So mm. you need to have the empathy with the music to mm. understand where it's going, you know. It's all good for a client to say, you know what, we're looking for this or we want that, and, and that's great and all handy, but you don't, you, you need to be, they need to be confident in you that you, you get it. You just get it. You, you, mm. it doesn't, you, don't, you don't have to have your hand held. You, you don't have to, anything to be explained to you. You, you, yeah. you, you just, you just yeah. get it, right? Yeah. And, 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 and then how to, and how to get there, you know, because you want to be able to get there quickly, right? Mm. Unlike mixing, which, you know, so many passes. I mean, the main reason anyone really would want to use a mastering guy is, is to, you know, to be able to, you know, have someone come with a, a an objective a third party, someone who hasn't heard it over and over, to get that impact, mm-hmm. you know, to understand what's it like when you hit play, mm-hmm. th- to have that experience, yeah. And yeah. so, after a hundred plays or something, we're all we're all gonna we're all gonna you just basically- lose it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I have a listen, and then I'm and then it's a matter of working out: is this ready? Can I? Now, very often, very common question I get is: is the mix good? <laughs> right, subtext. Do you love me? Do you accept me? Do you think I'm all right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but so the, the the most common the way I define good is: can I listen to a mix, and in my heart of hearts, be able to say to myself, I can work on this as it is, to the point where I feel that my client is going to feel like they're getting value for money. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's a very clear line. That's not, a, okay. Mm-hmm. So upon listening to the mix, if there's any issues, I'm going to provide them. Now, the feedback I give is not me being the taste police. We don't get into the minutia and the nitty gritty. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be saying things like, you know what? The reverb time in the middle eight is just not right. Or the arranger <laughs> yeah, of the song, yeah. I'm going to be listening for the things that are going to get in my way. For example, mm-hmm. vocals too loud. Mm-hmm. Snares not loud enough. The guitar sounds a bit thin in relation to the rest of the mix. It's mm-hmm. a little bit muddy in the bottom end. It's like these kind of basic, simple things that mm-hmm. I can't sort out because, again, people got to understand that when it comes to mastering, if you're not doing stem mastering, you've got a left and a right channel. Mm-hmm. And everything you do here, okay, everything you do along here is going to affect the whole mix. So we can't get into individual tracks mm-hmm. and sort them out. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so you identify those issues, you you um, you relay those to the client. It's really good when they come in here when that happens because sometimes they'll be able to hear other things that they couldn't hear in their room mm, that would absolutely my job. You know, as a producer, you might think, oh shit, you know, maybe that delay time could be or that re-, you know what I mean? Yeah, Which yeah, absolutely. Make a difference to me, but for the producer or the artist. Mm. That that helps them too, you know, and 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 that is another step towards getting a better product. So we go through that. We go through that. Then we'll sit down. We'll um. We'll and if they're interested in working with me, we talk money. Every job these days is done on a case by case basis. Um, it's a very common question I get. You know, how much? You know, or what's going to cost? Very valid mm-hmm. question. Very reasonable. Everyone's on a budget. Um, everyone's got no money. Uh, but I always tell them, look, uh, every job's different and, 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 and they can range, you know, and, and mm. I'll tell you, and this is something that if, if you're an engineer or a mixer and you're out there quoting on jobs, 
doesn't matter whether you're a tracking engineer or, or if you're a mix engineer, um, don't just give out a number. And that's not you being coy with anyone um, because, A, you want to have an opportunity to invite the client for you to have a discussion about their project. That's one way of you showing them that you're interested in them and just not seeing them as a potential job. And here's the quote, mm, which mm. a lot of people still do to my amazement, you know? Um, so opportunity to connect with a client and, and then you find out what's involved because you mm. might throw a number and then realize after the fact that there's a lot more involved. And then you got to go back and say, ah, oh, listen, I know I told you it was only going to cost that much, but I didn't realize mm. that there was so much editing or so much comping, or mm-hmm. and that doesn't that that doesn't set a good tone. Or you, the other extreme, this is this is where I learned this lesson. Um, at Sing Sing, I had a um, a guy wanted um, you know I, I want a, a ten track album. At the time, the average was about fifteen hundred bucks back then. People mm. don't believe me that actually we actually earned as much money in two thousand as we do now, except the costs mm. have gone up. Route, but it's a true story. Anyway. And he said, oh, oh, okay, okay. Didn't hear back from him. About three years later, I caught this guy at a gig and he goes, oh, look, sorry. Um, sorry we didn't come back. We thought that was a bit rich. No, we're just a punk band. It was only uh, 10 tracks with short songs. Now, mm. now, if I if I had actually asked the question and did my due diligence, I would have quoted less because I'm just assuming it was a 10-track album, four or five-minute songs. So 10 songs with two minutes, you know what I mean, less time. Mm, yeah. It, I, I could have I could have been able to charge less, still mm. make a good list, right? Still get some value. You mm. with me? So I can understand why it's like, well, shit, yeah, I'm not going to pay 1500 bucks yeah, for that. Yeah, exactly. Because, yep. yeah. So that was a great lesson for me. It was a yeah. great lesson. And and that's something I suggest that if you're if you're in the if you're in the caper, um look look at doing some due diligence. Connect yeah. with your with your potential client and, and, and go from there. So, so we have a discussion, it all works out. Well, I do the job. I get paid. I always get paid before release. And here's another tip I'm going to give you kids, right? I know that <laughs> we work in a world of credit, but um, if you can, if you can, right, don't give anything away, not even an MP3, because for the most part, if you send a mix or in my case, a finished master, people will say, it's an MP3. I don't give a fuck. It's good enough. It's master. It's out there. <laughs> and people can just tell you things like the dog ate my homework, uh, yeah. a, a US, <laughs> my mum. You know, uh, all these things can happen. But you know what? At the end of the day, when you got bills to pay, no one gives a fuck, right? Yeah. Yep. And if people come to you with the "Oh, you don't trust me," oh, ooh. well, you know what? Then you can flip it around and say, "Hey, where's your respect for me?" You know, mm. you. Oh, in fact, I had a guy that said to me, we did a session. He said, "Oh, so how, what are we going to do with this? We're going to um." You going to invoice me? I said I can write you an invoice, but uh, but it'll, it'll not only be an invoice; it's going to be a receipt as well because you, I need to get paid. So, oh, well, so and so down the road will give us terms. I said, well, sorry, mate. Now that was my fault for not bringing it up in the beginning. Mm. But prove the point because this was a, he was a great guy. We had a great session. It was a great fucking day, and I didn't want to ruin the vibe. Okay, mm. but I still was I was still was not going to let him walk away with it mm. because again, it's not that I don't trust you, but I know that other things can get in the way out of your control, and but but then that becomes my problem. So yeah. I said to him, I'll, I'll I'll make a deal with you. I said, how about we go down Sydney Road? Let's go into a shop, and in the same way that you and I just met today, you, you know, you don't you're asking me for about you know almost two thousand dollars of credit. I said, how about we go into a shop and see if you can get $10 of credit, $10, right, mm. from, from from a stranger. 
and see if they'll let you get and see if they'll let you come back tomorrow with ten bucks. And he looked at me and he just thought about it in a second. He said, mm, I see what you're saying. I get your point. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. with music that for whatever reason, we yeah, it's just a given that people are. Now, maybe you know someone, maybe they're your mate, maybe you have history, maybe, you, and that's on you. But mm. here's something I'll share with you. On the very rare occasions where I got fucked over, and, and when I say fucked over, I mean had to chase money. Mm. Usually, was from the people that I knew best. Mm. I actually thought I could trust. Yeah, right? yeah. So again, yeah. I don't want to spot on people. Well, I, I think, don't want to say. I think I it's just that- uh, one of those things, like you know, in the industry that we're in, we attract. Uh, not attract. It's just generally people are um, very creative and have an art in their mind and have an ambition and have this and have that. And there's not necessarily as much logical thinking as there potentially, you know, might be in other industries. Hey, thanks so much for listening so far. There is plenty more to come, so don't go anywhere. I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is made completely independently by myself with no sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you would like to show your support, you can send a donation to the PayPal link paypal.me slash what's that sound the link is also in the show notes thanks so much for your support and let's get back to it now when it comes to you know working with wow first of all here we go old name drop for you and you can add any names in that you might like to but you know these are some of the amazing artists you've worked with nick haven the bad seeds Xavier Rudd, you and I, Courtney Barnett, Paul Kelly, Seth Sentry, some absolutely monster names. Did you want to add any more in there, or? Uh, uh, can I make a correction? Seth Seth Sentry is actually uh, Adam Adam uh, Dempsey. Oh, okay, no worries. He, he, he's uh, he's guilty of that. Um, you know, I've got to do some vinyl stuff for Jet, um, Augie March, uh, the Waves, yep. um, American band called The Neighborhood did really well. In fact, extremely yep. well. No, platinum over there mm-hmm. was a huge. Um, you know, it's interesting when I, I understand from the average punter when they think about the credits you worked on because it's it's impressive or it gives you some kind of credibility. And mm. and and you know, I in the beginning you know, it was always very exciting to work with big names, but over time it's not that you it's not that you tire of it. No, no, but you, you get to that point where you just become so grateful that you're doing work because whether it's a big name artist or a little name artist. Two things. The amount of money you get is the same. Mm. But more importantly, you, it's still an enjoyable process. It's all about mm-hmm. process and doing the task. Now, of course, having a big name on your resume or more well-known is great because there's some credibility. It, it, it brings it gives confidence to potential clients, particularly mm-hmm. if they're you know, from a particular genre or they're familiar with the work and they like it. And, and I understand how all that works. But Mm-hmm. I get to the point where, not that I get apathetic about it, but my focus doesn't go yep. to, you know, th- that's something that other people get more interested in and are more impressed by. For me, it's it's a it's a momentary brief, albeit wonderful mm-hmm. experience and something that, that I cherish and I'm grateful for, but mm-hmm. I don't dwell on it because, mm-hmm. you know, once your record's done, then it's about the next record. And as as cliche as it is, but it's a truism, you're only as good as your last record. You know, mm. you, all your yeah. stuff from today is all good. But from the perspective of a client and a punter, it's like, well, what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. You know, what, yeah. what, that's good and that, that's all impressive, but what's 
how's this going to affect me and my music and yep. the money I'm you with me? So yeah. so you got to be able to you got to be able to put that to the side, enjoy it, love it, be appreciative for it, but but don't sit and dwell on it because then you're going to rest on your laurels, you're going to mm. you're going to think how it all you're going to become cocky and then next thing you know you're sliding backwards and then you're going to start fucking things up because you think of yourself as that guy. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and Tones, and- I'm glad you said that. And that's, that is part of the reason why I brought that up is because when it comes down to it, it's, it's about the people that you're working with. Like you said, it's a service industry. It's about how we treat the people that we're working with at the time that we're working them with. Uh, and you know, all of that, Stuff is important. The the credits to your name, like you just said, you spelled it out perfectly. But it, at the end of the day, it's about who we're working with and how we can best serve them in the way that their music needs to be serviced. So I'm really glad you said that. And on that, is there, you know, kind of a, a one sort of approach um, for different projects? You know, what's it like working f- across genres? Is there different approaches? That sort of thing. I wouldn't say necessarily. I wouldn't say there's a there's a, a one size fits all. The the only constant is that make it sound as good as possible. Now, mm. I think it pays, especially if you are if you want to get into mastering or 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 do more of it, is to become familiar with as many genres as music as possible. I was mm. very fortunate as a youngster that I got to listen to a wide variety of stuff. I hung around with mainly older dudes, so I was as a fifteen year old. Apart from getting into what was popular, you know, uh, top forty wise, um, in you know back in the day, was you know listening to um, you know progressive jazz and mm. you know or you know, older stuff from the sixties and a little mm. bit of the, you know, even even some rock and roll from the fifties. So I was fortunate that I got to learn to appreciate a wide variety of music, and and even if you get to work along stuff that isn't your cup of tea, it helps to have a good idea. So the only constant is. Make it sound as good as possible, but when you have an understanding of, you know, each style kind of has a, a can have some differences in an aesthetic. To understand that aesthetic, to to to, to mm. become conversant with the, the different artists that you're working with, you know. So let, let's say, for example, you may not be a country person, okay, mm. but if you if you take the time to get a little bit of an understanding, you work with a client again from a confidence point of view. If, if you can know a little bit about certain artists today and talk to the client about that or say, look, I've heard that album, I'm familiar with that. Again, it, it gives a little bit of confidence in them. So um, mm. always make it sound as good as possible. Um, now, you, we're all going to have our, our, our biases to things that we like more than others and gravitate towards more towards those things, um, and, 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 and that's a given. Sometimes you, you, you may be, well, I don't know whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, but you may become known as a person who is particularly good at a, at a certain style of things because you work mm-hmm. on a record, it blows up, and then you become that guy. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it wants to come to you, which is good to a point because there may be, you know, it, it may be a style that's very really popular and uh, and there's a big wave and it's carrying off for a little while. But as we all know, music goes in cycles and trends mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. and you may have a really good run in a particular style and be known as the guy. Mm. And then all of a sudden something else comes along that's really quite different. Uh, but then these new kids who are coming along into that genre become the new guys, mm. you know, the mm. sweethearts of the, 
you know? And then mm. it's like, oh, okay, now people get, you get pigeonholed potentially. Now, mm. in America, you can get away with that because the market's so big yeah. for certain things and carry on that you, you could ride those waves a lot further and they're a lot bigger. Um, but in this country, not quite the same. So mm. you don't always have the um, you don't always get to choose that because again, mm. everything you work on, you've got no idea whether it's going to blow up or not. I mean, the records that I've worked on, with every record, with the exception of two that I worked on, mm. did I ever say, you know, this is I think this is going to go somewhere. Mm. Every other record, I had no idea until I found yeah. out later. Yeah, yeah. You know, what? yeah. So you don't absolutely you don't get to choose that because let me tell you something. Hit records aren't hit records because of you as a mastering guy. You're mm. lucky enough to get a Guernsey. I mean, mm. you know, you need, first and most importantly, a great song. That That's the most important thing. You need a great fucking song. You know, good arrangement, great recording, great mix. All these things add up to mm. enhance, but you've got a lot of ducks that got to line up. And as a mastering mm. guy, you know, all the work is done. So regardless of who has mastered any of the records that became hits, or went gold or platinum, more than likely we're going to, that was going to be their fate, you know. Mm. And so I was fortunate enough that I got a Guernsey on a team. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So, so um, I, I think I think that's the important point that uh, I, I need to drill home on people and uh, something that, that people need to be aware of. Well, and I think it's a great perspective and, and the gratitude part of that is really hitting home for me. And, you know, we, we do have to be grateful for everything that we're fortunate enough to work on because there's, there's, there's just someone else that could have got the job. And um, another thing um, that stands out to me is like with the different styles of music, it, it can be a challenge in a good way to level up when you work on different stuff that you're unfamiliar with to be you know, completely put into a new world where you're like, wow, I've never heard anything like this. Great. Now's my chance to figure this shit out and, you know, get leveled up with, with whatever it might be, you know, and that, that's something that I love doing and, and why I love working on different styles of music. Totally. And, and, and sometimes it's good for an artist to take a little bit of a risk. It's all good to go with the guy mm. or the girl. Um, but you, as someone that brings in experience from different genres, you know, because everyone wants to sound like everyone, but but what really makes you stand apart or what provides the genius is mm. that little something different that mm. probably wouldn't have come in with the person that's known for as mm. brilliant as they may be at working on yep. a style because they're, 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 they're going to introduce something and it doesn't have to be anything earth-shatteringly different. Just mm. enough to create enough difference where you don't alienate an audience, but you create something that's a bit different, you know, something mm. that, that's going to help evolve the style. And then you then become, you know, known for being um, not necessarily the guy for a style, but just someone who's just fucking brilliant and, mm. and genius and, yeah. and, and that, you know, can bring something fresh, something different that others maybe didn't come up with and, yeah. and bring you that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You couldn't have said it better. Uh, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, Things are, uh, you know, with all of your years of experience, you you would have seen some things, you would have seen, um, you know, yourself and other people doing things that you maybe, you know, would look back on and and say, oh, I wish I didn't do that or, or, you know, I wish they didn't do that. Um, 
do you have any of those sorts of kind of things that you could could share with uh, with anyone listening or watching? Well, I think that my greatest learnings have been through my errors, just through trial and error, um, but also by – I'll give you a great example. Um, when it came to building this studio, okay, I'd, I'd had enough years of experience and lots of looking at and, and getting to spend time and look at so many wonderful rooms, um, you know, around the place. And and while I saw things I liked, I what – a lot of things that stood out was also things I didn't particularly like. I thought, oh, mm. that doesn't work really well. Well, that's not such a great idea. Uh, or seeing how people would operate in different studios in terms of management, how mm. they looked after people, uh, how they set their places up. And so, you know, it wasn't for me to tell them what to do mm. um, because everyone's going to run things their way. Maybe there was a method to their madness. But mm. as an observer, I would see things that I didn't particularly care for, not just because of the personal thing, but I could just see that some of these things aren't working out that great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I remembered I'd just take mental notes um, and, and and just knew that, okay, if and or when I get to a position where I could do my own thing, I'll make mm-hmm. sure that I, I do this, I do this, I incorporate mm-hmm. that, I won't do that. Um, if I have people working at the studio, I'm going to create this kind of culture because I know what it's like working, you know, with people that yeah. have a different an approach to how they work. And I'm not saying that, hey, this is perfect and, and the way I did it is perfect. But um, I like to think that um, what I've done here and the way I've operated um, in this space with the people that have worked here, that, um, you know, I've been able to create the space and the culture um, mm. more so by the things I saw that didn't necessarily work too well, mm. you know, yeah. uh, uh, rather than just the things that work. Now, as far as how anyone else works, uh, again, um, my my interest usually, you know, when I, when I see bands, uh, I my interest lies in, you know, just how people deal with each other. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not one for telling people, you know, what, what you know what, what's talent and what isn't talent, but it's mm-hmm. it's more looking at how people operate, how they function mm-hmm. in the world, um, and and just how they interact with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, so so for me, you know, um, you know, just just to see people that uh, aren't respectful, people that are entitled, uh, mm. people that are demanding, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, mm. is stuff I swerve away from, and 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 they serve as reminders to me of, hey, you know, don't be an asshole, or at yeah. least don't, at least don't intentionally be an asshole, you know. Yeah. So, so there's a lot to be learned from your own mistakes, your troll and error, but mm-hmm. also from others and 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 how they operate too it's in fact you probably get more out of it from that i believe Mm. well i mean from my experience with you you've only ever been welcoming and um you know friendly and always willing to share your time and experience and uh knowledge with me and i'm always appreciative for that so thank you um look you're welcome look can i just say very quickly again um look that's very kind i really appreciate it very sweet of you but again, I was fortunate as a youngster that I had tremendous mentoring and, and great people to sh- there were examples to me. And so I realized that, hey, this seems to work really well. So you know mm-hmm. what? Uh, if I get the opportunity to do what I'm going to do, I'm going to pay it forward and do the same. So yeah, so- yeah, absolutely. Well, let's um let's move on to kind of you know a lot of the the stuff that you've been doing over the past ten years with your mentoring. Where did that sort of pop up, and what made you want to move into that space a bit more? Um, 
for many, many years, I've always had an interest in the personal development space. I've never really cared for the, the how very corporate it was back in the day, but mm. um, and and so and I know that again, um, one of my mentors, uh, Mark Berry, back in the eighties, who was a big personal development person, got me really got me into it, and and I could see that it would help, you know, in terms of building mindset. And so I thought, well, this is something that works for me, or that has been helpful for me chances are it's going to help others because, you know, there, there are people out there that may be good at what they do, but uh, they struggle with their own self-limiting beliefs mm. about just life in general. And so I thought, well, again, through my own journey and making mistakes and fucking up, um, you know, through my own battles of mental health and and having been, um, you know, um, been caught up in a cycle of addiction um, and these sort of things, I thought, well, you know what, well, maybe – you know, there's a lot of other people similar to me. So maybe this is something that I can help by um, sharing my own story, being really brutally honest about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, there's a tendency a lot for people there. It's important to have a good appearance and to, and to present well. But people sometimes, especially with the advent of social media, people are more interested in, in you know, exaggerating things or embellishing things. Or I don't give a fuck. You know, mm. I really don't. I used to, as a younger person, I cared about what people thought. I'm, I'm just as guilty as anyone else of feeling mm. that way, wanting um, validation, looking for all the love in all the wrong places. And once I finally got over that and and really started not giving a fuck, I thought, you know what? Um, maybe I can, maybe I can help others and being honest because that way it's relatable. You know, anyone, mm. anyone's great on a good day, mate. You know, when you're yeah. flying high. And it's at the sun shining and and things are rolling. We're all we're all fucking champions, you know. <laughs> but what happens? Aren't great. And the things aren't. They don't always go great. And so I think by being honest with my story and not sugarcoating things, um, people, no doubt, they've experienced what I've experienced to some degree or another. And mm. so that way, you can present authentically. Where people, mm. you know, I said the most important. Still, I'm going to say it again. I can't repeat mm. this enough. We yeah. live in a relationship economy, right? Everything's about your quality of relationships and the currency of the economy is trust, right? You've got to earn trust from people, which means you've, you've got to be able to be open and honest enough with your life and your situation so people can go, oh, yeah, fuck, I've, I've, yeah. I've gone through that. This guy's being truthful. Right. It's well, not I think just- the thing. I think the thing there as well is, is like it's so very easy whether it's on social media, in person or anything like that, to just know when someone's talking shit or just, you know, not actually being themselves. It's it's like I think the people that are fooling themselves the most are the ones that 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 are, are in the denial of like I'm I'm helping here or I'm being this specific way because that's what people want to say. It's like everyone else can see that <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you because you're talking shit. Yeah. It, it, it is the irony, you know, and we all know it and, and everyone talks about it on social media that, um, you know, oh, everyone's bullshitting, everyone's bullshitting. So why why do we do it? Like why do mm. people do it, you know? And because it's it's the it's fear, right? The, mm. the, 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 I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not fundamentally okay with myself. And, mm. and people see right through it. People, you know, yeah, there might be some people that are really good at being able to put up the smoke and mirrors, but fundamentally... People feel it, man. They just they just mm. feel something. You know, mm. I know I do. And mm. I think that the, whoever's watching or listening to this right now, when they're seeing anyone, just just 
No, that you know, 99% looks fucking great. And there's gonna be that little, you know, and that's why authenticity is binary. You either mm. are or you're not. Trying to be authentic is actually being inauthentic because you're mm. trying to be something. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to this is who I am. It's yeah. it's all out there. Unapo- you're completely unapologetic. Now, you know, now of course there may be some limits, you know, sometimes the you, you, people can uh, can also maybe be giving too much information, or in in a way that can be a bit confronting for others, or uh, you know, a, a point where it's excessive. But fundamentally, you know, just just mm. being you, being okay mm. with you. And and I think it's 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 really important to talk about this stuff because it, it ties in so much with what we do as creatives in the music industry and any creative in any creative industry. We're creating art. We're creating something that is true to ourselves. And as soon as we start to either work with someone that we don't feel like we're actually suited to work with or creating the art itself that isn't authentic to who we are, it's it's audible or it's visible and it's, um, you know, and, and as soon as you work with someone, you, you say yes to a project that you know deep down in, inside that you shouldn't for the wrong reasons, people are going to see that and go, this was a mistake. I shouldn't have worked with this person and it can only damage you if you're not truthful and honest about stepping into those shoes and saying, hey, I'm not the right person to do this or, you know, <laughs> whatever that might look like, that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how... The amount of times I've spoken, especially younger engineers who are young and up and coming, who will say, well, what do you do in that situation? It's not really a thing or I'm not sure if I can do it. Now, there's a point where sometimes, you know, to take a risk, try something new, mm. my heart of hearts, you feel something, you know, the, the amount of times I have passed jobs on to other people, and this is a, something that I saw in America mm. and Canada, I saw a lot of it, where people mm. kind of said, I, I can do this, but mm. I know this going to be a better fit or there's going mm. to be able to do a budget. And what happens is, okay, you don't get the gig today and it might hurt, especially if you're young and you're trying to get a leg up and, you know, you need money and it can be very tempting. But what happens is that you get trust. The amount mm. of time that I've had people call me back down the line where they said, hey, I don't know if you remember us, but you sent us to so-and-so and we were so, you know, we, we remembered that. And so this time I think this is going to be a better fit. Again, trust, mm. building trust. Yeah. Yep. You know, you You've got to think long term because you mm-hmm. want to be around not just for a good time but a long time, Stu. And so that, that yeah. is important. But also, if I may add, as an artist, how many times, you know, artists will say, well, do you think people are going to like this? I said, look, I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. not the arbiter to, de- to determine what's going to be a hit or not. I'm not, I don't know what radio is going to want. Be be authentic to you. Make the mm-hmm. art that you, you know, you, you, you I did a video, a video about this a little while ago where I said, Think of it in terms of if you're on a desert island, there's no audience, what would you do? You mm. know, it's all want to fit in and and be a part of the, you know, be one of the Joneses and kind of be in that ballpark. But what if you, that thing that you're creating that you think you don't like might be the thing. You know, I had a friend who was an author and he was writing a book and he sent all this stuff to a publisher and, and the publisher said, I'll, and he said, oh, look, I'll give you this, but don't take that. And the publisher said, well, why not? He said, I think this is rubbish. He said, well, I'll decide that. Turns mm. out that most of the stuff that he thought was shit ended up being in the book and the book went on to do really well. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so again, be be honest with yourself. Don't be too concerned. You know, it's great to be accepted and all that. And of course, it's wonderful that people will appreciate your output. But do it for something that you love first. 
Be happy mm. with what – of course, artists will say, oh, it's never good enough, I'm never happy. Okay, we're always in pursuit <laughs> of, you know, doing better. But yeah. but not to not to be overly consumed by worrying about what you think others are going to like because yeah. for the money you don't know. In the same way that I've told you, I had no idea that any record I worked here was going to be successful. Yeah. Only twice did I ever pick it out of fuck how many. Yeah. My job is yeah. make good, get the best result possible, make the client happy, and the rest will take care of itself if it's if it's meant to be. Mm. And I think on that with those, the 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 thing that I always think about when when it comes to those artistic conversations where it's like, are, are people going to like it? Is it going to fit in with this genre or whatever? The best case scenario is that you do create something slightly off center or something different or something new. And so many people resonate with it and you create a one-to-one relationship or community with the type of people that you actually resonate with, not that you feel like you might fit in with. It's just, to yeah. me, it's just so much of a better case scenario. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, now with all this AI that's going on around, you know, people worry about AI. And let me tell you one thing about AI. AI may be good at recreating things, but anything that you ask it to do is pretty much just going to be a knockoff of what's around at the moment. Mm-hmm. Right, the, the the genius is in in what what are you putting in that's going to be a little bit different, you know, than, than mm. the usual standard. We know this, we've heard this all before, all been a bit yep. different. You know what I mean? So uh, don't be afraid of AI either. You know, it, it, if anything, um, AI is a tool and it can be useful, but it's not creative. It doesn't yeah. bring, it doesn't bring originality into no. the mix. It's it's only just a storage of stuff that's already there. And gives you access to all these things and, and makes things easier for you to create. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily bring something original. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I heard something not 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 about AI, but related to this conversation. I wish I could remember the, the producer who who said it, but I can't. They said, you know, when you're if you're a beat maker, for example, or a producer, and you're trying to recreate what's big on the radio at the moment, or you know what what you love that is kicking off at the moment, just remember that those producers that created those beats, they probably did that two years ago because of the amount of time that it takes for things to get onto the radio and to go through the record factories and all this and that so you're actually already two years behind by trying to recreate that thing anyway so just go with what you feel is right and and it will serve you so much better absolutely 100 percent. couldn't agree anymore my friend couldn't agree well anymore. i i love this chat tones you know i always love chatting to you but uh we are gonna have to wrap it up shortly um now just i guess to to kind of tie these things in you've already given us so much of ad, uh, advice and you know if people can, you know, try and to understand some of the things that we've talked about as a broader picture, but, you know, think about it in relationship in relation to your own place in where you are in the music industry or where you are starting out as a, you know, mastering engineer, producer, whatever it might be. Do you have any kind of um, key bits of advice for say, you know, mastering engineers because you are one and then maybe for for artists that might be listening in? Okay. Well, the, the first thing is to get very clear as to why you want to do what you want to do, um, mastering or otherwise. Uh, are you doing this because you think it would be cool or you're, you're going to look good or um, it, it, you need – 
we all love music, okay? So it's all good to say I love music. But, you know, Johnny Punch Clock, who's not a creative, loves music too, okay? Yeah. you got to think about why am I getting involved. For me, it's about I love helping artists to create solutions for them, to help them with their mm. problems. And also in, in the latter years, I've also been a guy that we've been able to sit down and, you know, talk with people and, you know, and just listen to people's about their lives and share my stuff, you know, so mm. as added kind of kind of thing. So work out why you're doing what you're doing because even on the days when things aren't going great or you couldn't be fucked or think, you know, you, it just you, you're just not in a good headspace, when you remind yourself of, hang on a minute, I'm doing this for this reason, mm. when you've got side of yourself, it's not just about you, then, you know, and I'll give you an example. Someone that, for example, um, is – a you know, a very lazy, unmotivated person wouldn't walk from the couch 10 feet to the fridge to get a beer, Sudden, all of a sudden loses a friend to a disease, will we'll run around the country to raise money. Why? Not because they've just become an athlete overnight and because they're thinking about their brother, they're thinking about their friend, they're thinking about a cause mm. bigger than themselves. So they're going to get up. They're going to do the hard work because now we're talking about a bigger picture. So, so yeah. get your why clear and and be honest with yourself about that and and don't yeah. don't be afraid to spend some time in there. The yeah. other thing is to enjoy the process. There's no destination. There's no endpoint. No one ever gonna, is going to get it right. There's always something new to learn. All bad. Something very very tiny. Yes, in the beginning you're going leaps and bounds, and as you go through a fairly steep learning curve, there will be a point where you get to you know this point of what I you know of competence where you become pretty good at the job and you can do things without having to stop and think too much. And, and it may seem like you're just plateauing and not really um, um, advancing. But I can tell you now, I've listened to things. I've been doing this for nearly, you know, I've been in this game for about 40 years. I've had my own, mm. I've been my own mastering studio since 91, all right? Mm. And I've listened to things yeah. I've done five years ago where I listen to and I think, that's really great. But, you know, if I did it today, I know I'll get 2% more. <laughs> 2% yeah. it w- 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 would be noticeable. You know Jeez, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, you gotta, you gotta love the process because that's mm. where the fun. Is. Because what if you never get a gold record? What if you never have a hit record? What if, yeah. you know, what it, it's going to become very frustrating. You know, and I'll, look, I'll share a story with you real quick about people that are chasing things. Okay, you're chasing fame, you're chasing money, you're chasing uh, recognition. All right. Now we all know about greyhounds, yeah? Greyhounds mm. chasing rabbits. Mm. Now, the rabbit is the metaphor for what people are chasing, whether it's love, acceptance, money, fame, fortune, all right? Mm. Now, greyhounds will run around a track and chase that rabbit, right? And they, how many times do the greyhounds catch the rabbit, Stu? Mm. How many times? Uh, very, very 0.001%. There's usually yep. some technical glitch or a fuck up, yeah, right? exactly, yeah. Or, or a dog on steroids maybe. So <laughs> now, now tell me. With that track record, right, tell me, a greyhound for years that's been running around the track that never catches it yeah. will keep showing everywhere. I've never known a greyhound to say, fuck this, too hard, <laughs> fuck it, I'm over it. Yeah, yeah. And why do they do that, Stu? Because they, they're born they to love run. it. Yeah, born to they're run. They're born to run. They love it, exactly. <laughs> Unreal. So we have to be, in, we have to have the same mindset. We love what we do and we'll keep showing up. Yeah. And we'll keep working. Regardless. Absolutely. It's so true. It's so true. I love it. And look, Mate, the more you do you know, look, the more you do something, Stu, you know, repetition is the mother of skill. 
okay, to, to use the Tony Robbins quote. So the more you the more you do something, the better you get. You, you have to get better at someone. Mm. And the better you get, people will notice. People, you'll find that people will start doing your bidding, right, which is the best advertising, word of mouth, mm. right, because mm. you don't get right? Mm. Everyone loves to buy. No one wants to be sold to. People, you know, and because you are good, you provide value. And guess what? When you provide some value, money will come. Money will become the automatic consequence, right? Mm. And, and that only comes by doing it over and over. And you're only going to be enthusiastic because you love it. So mm -hmm. that if, if there's a formula, that's it. Yeah. That, no, that's so true. You're bloody spot on. And and like you said, when you love what you do, you remind yourself every day that it's great to walk into a studio and be able to to mix something or master something or produce something. And every day is the best day of your life. And you and you very rarely feel those things. And it, it's usually some external something or other that makes you feel down in the dumps. So hundred percent, mate. Couldn't I, I love it. I love it. Thank you again, Tones. Well, um, you know, you're a fucking legend. I love you. And, um, you know, if anyone uh, wants to reach out and find you, how, how can they do that? Um, oh, look, I'm pretty active on Facebook. Um, uh, Tony Jack Mance, uh, also Mastering Music, Mastering Life. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. I'm not that great with Insta, but Insta's Mastering Music, Mastering Life. But um, th the most responsive way for me is just uh, get on Facebook, get on my Tony Jack page, personal page, I think I'm up to my 5,000 limit, but you can hit me up on Messenger. Um, mm -hmm. but hear from people. And no, I love you too, Stu. I'm proud of you. And and um, and, I, and I don't need to piss in your pocket because I don't need a new best friend. But it's been beautiful to watch you from your humble beginnings into how, how hard you worked uh, there uh, at Marshall Street uh, Thanks, with uh, my other... Um, uh, under my other uh, protege, you know, Ben Marshall, who I'm also exceptionally proud of. And, you, you know, you, you're following in his footsteps and, you know, and full credit to you, buddy, because you, you've done all the work. And it's, and I, as someone who's an older cat, I genuinely love to see people do well. I'm very, you know, I'm very invested in people's success. Um, I, and, and again, and if anyone that's been, uh, you know, whether they've been, interned here or whether, um, you know, they'd be mentored by me, even if it's one or two times I spoke to them and I see them do well, I never, ever, ever take credit for any of their success. You know, they do the work, but there's something so satisfying about the fact that you know, you actually know that person and you know their struggle and maybe you said something that set them off in a different direction, that mm -hmm. uh, a different trajectory in life because, you know, because I know I've been on the receiving end of that, that, mm -hmm. that, that gesture, that kind word, that the, the greatest thing you can do for a kid is to have them believe that you believe in them. And as I said, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. So when someone you speak with gets that feeling of like, this person gives a shit and fuck, mm. you do not underestimate how powerful that is. Yep. Yep. And that's where the truthful honesty and, uh, you know, not faking it comes right into play and that's how you build the relationships and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. hundred <laughs> percent. So it's that's been it. a great talking with you, Stu, and uh, talking to your audience. And thank you again for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, again, love you dearly, mate. And uh, continued success to you and to anyone who's watching and listening this. And, uh, and, you know, here's to all of us making great records and more importantly, enjoying the process while we're doing it. Thanks, Tones. Appreciate you, mate. Cheers All and right. thanks to everyone uh, for checking this out. We'll see you next time on What's That Sound Podcast. Thanks for listening to What's That Sound. 
Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform to stay up to date with each new episode. We'll catch you next time.